the co-owner of a 501c3 organization six years in existence. Someone wants to buy the company, but being a nonprofit, he says we must first convert this company to a foundation, then we can sell it. Firstly, is this correct? What are the ramifications of this change? What are pros and cons of the process and the end result? Wow. Um, this might be my favorite question ever. Actually, my second favorite question. Um, <laughs> so, what, Just by, by curiosity, what was your first favorite question ever? Um, what, what gets the smell of cat urine out of furniture, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> favorite question. <laughs> For those of you that, that don't know the story of that one, um, that's, a, that's a secret question that you get if you're a member of Anne. Uh, you can go to the member page and find the bonus question that Stacy and I answered. That was an actual legitimate question that was sent to us, and so we answered it. But it's available on the the Anne website in the members only section. So, so back to this one. So, the first sentence of this just blows my mind. I'm the co-owner of a 501c3 organization, and so okay, let me let me explain this. You are actually the co-owner of every 501c3 organization in the entire United States because 501c3s cannot have owners. That's <laughs> That's your first mistake. And it terrifies me that you've been in existence for six years uh, because <laughs> it, it shows that you have absolutely no idea what you're doing. And so my, my recommendation to you, honestly, if this was your question and you sent this in to us, you need to call an attorney right now. Get on the phone, find an attorney that has experience with nonprofit organizations, call them and say, so I sent this question to the Nonprofit Everything podcast and they told me to call an attorney right away. Can you please help me? And they will try to get you out of the mess that you're in. Um, you cannot sell it. There's no way to sell a 501c3. Um, converting it to a foundation first uh, does not allow you to sell it because you can't sell a foundation either. Um, it's just another class of 501c3. Um, so so I don't, I don't know how to answer any of the rest of your question then. Um, you can't do this. Whoever's advising you that you needed to change it to a foundation first, I'm not sure where they're getting their information from. Um, so you're, it, it strikes me that, I mean, if, unless this is just like a fake question that someone sent in just to see if they could make us crazy, um, <laughs> if this really is the situation that you're in, please, please, please call an attorney. Because if you don't, um, you're going to have the state attorney general of whatever state you're in um, coming down on you like the hammer of Thor. And you, you don't want that. Plus all of the um, profit that you've made tax exempt by saying that you're a nonprofit for the last six years is all of a sudden going to be due with tons and tons of penalties onto it. And um, God bless the IRS for doing that because that's exactly what they need to do in this situation. There is no way, if you don't know this basic information about being a nonprofit, there's no way that you're doing anything else right. And to be honest, you deserve everything that's coming to you. <laughs> can you t can you tell we're pulling out our hair uh, or at least that, that Andy is pulling out his hair with this question uh you know i i do okay so andy i i obviously yes 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 to everything you just said and i i want to i i also want to talk just really briefly about mergers and acquisitions because what what i am wondering is if perhaps the, the person writing this, I don't know, who knows? I, anyways, I, I could, I'm trying to give someone the benefit of the doubt and <laughs> say maybe they were just using inappropriate language or they had their staffer write this and that staffer doesn't understand it. I don't know. I, you know, I don't know. But 
I mean, what is available to nonprofits are mergers and acquiring other organizations. And so if you truly are a nonprofit, there is there are a lot of resources out there uh, on a lot of different um, you know, everything from, I'm sure Anne's got something, uh, you know, board source. Uh, there's, there's just a lot of, a lot of resources out there that talk about, uh, about the process you would go through if you actually were looking to, to sort of fold your organization and have another organization kind of take, you know, take over. And it's a lot more complicated than what I'm making it sound, but um, certainly that is an option and, and a lot of nonprofits do it and have done it and have done it successfully. So uh, if, if that's the case, then great. My, my only hope is that you actually partner if, if you do this with an organization that isn't giving you bad advice like the one that it sounds like you're talking to now because um, obviously there's a lot of education that's needed uh, to, to understand this situation and and exactly what your status is. Are you a for-profit or a non-profit? This sure, this sure strikes and sounds like a, a for-profit question. Yeah, I mean, and, and if, like, <laughs> like, like oh, I love Stacy. you just give them the benefit <laughs> of the doubt. Like, you, you just must have been confused and used all the wrong words in your question. <laughs> so let me come up with a way for you to have not this question, this not question, this question not be the craziest thing that we've ever had. Um, so if, if that is true, and if you are actually thinking about a merger, I'd still recommend talking to an attorney um, because they're, they're, they're rare for lots of reasons that we can answer if someone asks us that question, but, but they're also very complicated. And there are lots of technical details that you need to worry about um, that an attorney is going to help you walk through. So, so if you really are considering a merger, I think my advice is the same is, is find somebody that's familiar with that and, and have them help you through the process. And Andy, I do have a guilty confession. My, my inside voice absolutely sounded like your external voice. <laughs> Nonprofit governance. Nonprofit answers. Nonprofit board. Nonprofit management. Nonprofit marketing. Nonprofit resources. The Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits presents Nonprofit Everything, the podcast about everything nonprofit, with your host, Andy Shurick and Stacy Wedding. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Nonprofit Everything. I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Stacey Wedding, and we're here to answer all of your burning nonprofit questions. Um, hopefully, you're not, your nonprofit's not burning. That would be, you should call 911 in that case, not us. Um, but the way this works is you send us questions and we try to answer them. If we can't answer them, we try to bring in guest experts that can deal with all the really touchy, complicated stuff. Uh, this nonprofit everything podcast is made possible by the Alliance for Nevada nonprofits. Thank you. If you're an Alliance for Nevada nonprofits member, we really appreciate you. If you're not, go check them out. Uh, there's lots of cool member benefits and there's, uh, it's a, a, a really good way to support the podcast. Today's podcast is sponsored by Immunize Nevada. Arm yourself by getting your annual flu vaccine. It protects you, your family, and those working on the front lines. Do your part. Get your flu vaccine by Nevada Day. Visit nvflufighter.org for more information and to find free and low-cost clinics. I founded a nonprofit almost a decade ago and currently serve as the paid executive director. 
Recently, one of my board members wanted to hire his friend to help us with marketing at an exorbitant hourly rate. He was going to donate the funds so our organization could then just pay out of those funds to his friend. Knowing that I disapproved of the rate, he proceeded to go around my back and approach the executive committee for their buy-in. Our treasurer told him to outline his verbal request in an email to the full executive committee and CC me as the executive director. I just received this email and I'm not sure how best to handle this. I'm frustrated that this board member went behind my back and that the executive committee allowed it to get this far. There is no way that we as an organization should pay these prices for the services being offered. Any suggestions? Well, it's interesting because I'm hearing two different things in this question, right? One where the the person, you know, the ED writing this or founder is not happy with the prices, but it but it sounds like it's more than that because if this board member is going to pay for it, um, then I guess then it sort of it, the board member's argument, of course, is going to be, hey, I'm paying for it, so why mm -hmm. should you care, right? So, so. I think it sort of speaks to a larger, I think we've all seen things like this. I mean, but besides, you know, even if it's not a financial conflict of interest, I wonder if there's, a, it feels like there's other conflict of interest issues potentially at play. I don't know what this right board member is really wanting, um, why they so desperately want this person or friend in their life hired, but, yeah. but that feels uncomfortable, right? And who says this person's the best person for the job? Like, that's my bigger concern, yep. right? Like, are they, 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 the board member says this person's a marketing guru, Everyone seems to think they're great at marketing when they aren't. So, <laughs> like, it's a red flag, right? Right, right. <laughs> so I guess that just bothers. Like, so so I'm more bothered by sort of that piece. Like, forget, for, put aside. I mean, like the conflict piece, and is this the right person for the job? Feel like the and the fact that there's not a process in place for this within the organization. I, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I'm on the exact same page on this one. So, and this, this, although this is, feels really familiar, right? This is a pretty typical challenge for an adolescent nonprofit, one that's sort of growing out of their baby phase where the board does a bunch of stuff and then they have trouble with that transition, transition to adulthood where the board is no longer a working board, they become a governing board and you have to trust your staff to do the work. So this feels like one of those sort of adolescent nonprofit problems where the board is has not been uh, they're, they're not really clear about what their actual role is and so they're yeah. trying to insert themselves into something that's technically not their job cuz cuz the you know if you want to be <laughs> if you want to be the world's like grumpiest ed <laughs> like i used to be the world's grumpiest cfo you can always say that's not in the budget <laughs> right we have a board approved budget and this marketing expense is not in the budget so maybe next year when we do the budgeting process if this is something the board feels is important we can put it in the budgeting process and then do it do it the right way um and then you know it, the executive committee is they're they're more than happy to you know you, you can let them do whatever they want but but they don't have authority to necessarily bind the organization to contracts without the executive director being involved. Um, they can fire the executive director if they if they really feel strongly about it. But there needs to be I mean, there really needs to be some lines drawn in the sand about this set of activities is your job board. This set of activities is my job. And when we mix them up and get them all confused, nobody knows what they're supposed to be doing. And I'd prefer it not be like that. So yeah. if you can think of a way to say that in a less argumentative grumpy way that might be a smart thing to do uh, but the, but that, i mean it's a really sort of typical problem where the board is just overly involved 
on top of that, I would be, and probably with the board chair, I would be raising conflict of interest and ethics questions. I would say, yes. now, I don't know if these two people are sleeping together or what the deal is, but it seems really odd that they're really forcing this specific person on it and paying them way over market rate to come in and do a job for us. Um, I don't, you know, I, I kind of like being cool with the IRS and not having the state attorney general breathing down my neck for conflict of interest problems. I yeah. still like getting money from other donors that don't see like sex scandals when they think of us. Um, so, so maybe, maybe you could help me figure out how to get out of this one gracefully. Cause, cause I mean, I don't know, you can always, I think you can always sort of paint it in the most dire light of, I just don't feel comfortable with this. Right. And, and, right. and see where that gets you. Do you think though, Andy, I want to go back to something you said when you talked about you could be like the grumpy person, say it's not in the budget, but then when you have the board member that, you know, because you and I've both seen it happen, you have the board member that says, but don't worry about it because I'm going to pay for it, right? Then it's like, it. so, so I'm going to take care of it. And then you get the rest of the board that gets all excited about this. Oh, cool. Oh, thank you so much. So-and-so for your generosity, right? Like we've all seen that happen. So what do you, what, what do you do then? Yeah, we had a question eight months ago, a year ago, where there was a, it was a, a an organization that um, did things for kids that didn't have opportunities to do cool stuff, and and there's a board member that would just like randomly say, "Hey, we're getting on a plane and we're gonna go see a baseball game in Chicago," and like just like give the organization a ton of money for this thing he just thought of, and 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 that felt really uncomfortable for the executive director because it was the board this one board member driving something just for just because they have the capability to shovel money at it. And, and you just, I think, you know, my argument against that would be that's a, that's a really slippery slope. We've got a mission, we've got a vision, we have programs. This is how we do our work. This is the, the mechanism that we put in place with our strategic plan and our budget to do our work. When, when we get thrown curveballs, like we need to determine, like, how does this fit into what we're going to do? Is this within what we're supposed to do? Is it outside of what we're going to do? I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe this is somebody who is just an amazing person who has tons of contacts and is going to help the organization do a lot of stuff. If that's the case, then then I don't think there's there's probably a problem with it as long as you go about it the right way, which is saying it's not on our budget. If the board thinks this is important, let's take a step back and let's look at the budget and figure out like, how is this going to work? Who's, you know, are we going to sustain this over a longer, just like if you're adding more staff or if they were adding any other budget line item, it needs to be justified with this is why this is an important use of donor funds. Even though the donor is telling you this is what you got to do, um, it's a, it's it's just it's so dangerous, especially and we were I mean we've been talking about strategy, we've been talking about pandemic strategy and things like that, and a couple of other questions we talked about today, which may not be on this episode, it may be on a different episode, so you have to listen to all of them. <laughs> um, but but one of the one of the really dangerous things you can do is respond to a donor walking in, dropping a bag of cash, and saying, "I want you to do this random thing I just thought of," like if 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 you if you were only persuaded by the fact that the donor brought you cash and not about what the actual utility of the program that they're asking you to invest in, like you, you probably need a different job. Like you, one of your jobs is the executive director. One of your jobs is the, the executive committee and the board 
uh, finance committee is to make sure that that the strategy and the activities of the organization are are finally honed and are really doing what you're expecting them to do. And when somebody can just throw a bag of cash at you and say, "Hey, I want you to do this random thing," I I think you're 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 in so much danger of sort of losing control of what your organization is. And that would be the I mean, I think that's how I would come back at, like in an intelligent way, come back at a board that wants me to do something random is to say, I hear you. I love your enthusiasm. I'm so excited that you want to invest in the organization. I can put that $50,000 to work in this way that would really have this impact on our community, you know, or, you know, figure out what, what, what that investment would really, what that would investment would really mean. Cause the rest of the board doesn't want to hurt this guy's feelings. The rest of the board yeah. doesn't want to be like, no, thank you. We're not interested in your whatever love trust, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, the, the board doesn't want to, they don't want to be put in that uncomfortable position of telling somebody no. So you as the executive director, that's the hard job is you get to say, nah, my job is to protect the mission. My job is to protect the organization yeah. to make sure we're doing things right. And, and this isn't right. And I, I love that. Um, and I also think, I, I think, I, you know, specifically for this question, I do think some sort of email, since you've been CC'd on the email already, you're already aware of it. I think it's a great opportunity. I don't think these things are great over email. So I think your email response needs to be um, sort of like, here's some initial thoughts. And I'd love to have a discussion about this because it's a great, you know, we're in a great, you know, sort of spin it positively. Like we're in a great position that we actually need marketing support right now, but let's talk about sort of, you know, the, the board's role in that, my role in that, you know, or, you know, and, and how those two interlap um, or, and, and who makes decisions on contracts and, and, and how you move forward. And, and perhaps there's also an opportunity to put a process. I know some nonprofits put a process in place that says, and you know, it, 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 you're going to get three bids or whatever. Like, I mean, and that can be constraining as well. So I know that's not always ideal, but you're going to get three bids from anybody just to make sure that you're getting the highest quality and the best value and whatever. So, so it feels like an opportunity, hopefully to kind of, um, you know, change, <laughs> change the path and, and that adolescent, those adolescent pain points kind of help the board understand how that role is starting to shift that maybe in the early days, they made decisions on these kinds of contracts, but not, not anymore. an employee who is always weeks behind on getting timesheets completed for grant reports, completing expense reports, and so on. Our office manager is beyond frustrated as her work depends on getting things on time. I do not have any difficulty having tough conversations, but even that doesn't seem to be working. What steps would you take to change this pattern? I'm sort of curious why this is happening. Because this doesn't feel like, so, so I was in an organization quite a while ago, and one of the things that we needed to do, because we were just on the cusp of growing and started to receive some federal and state money, which meant that we needed to start doing timesheets. We'd never done timesheets before because it, we didn't have to. And then we got to the point where we had to implement timesheets. And the, the operating guy 
was like dead set against it. He was like, I'm not going to have my staff waste any of their time filling out timesheets. It's a complete waste of time. Like, eh, it's actually actually kind of important if we don't want the state to be breathing down our necks. And if you like getting the state money, we're never going to get it again if we can't comply with the rules of the grant. So so that was, you know, the the sticking point was like sort of an executive level, like stop wasting my time with this paper. Um, and eventually he came around generally because of my force of will and righteousness. But, <laughs> but, but, but when it's an individual and you've already had tough conversation, a tough conversation with them and it's still not changing, I would wonder like what it is that's making this person not be able to complete it. So it could be that they just don't have a process in place to make, cause, cause I know one of the things that I always had trouble with with timesheets was I would leave it until the end of the week, you know, just sit it on my desk and leave it till the end of the week. Plus the way that I worked, I was, I mean, I've got, I just bounce around from thing to thing. My attention span is like, I got the attention span of a hummingbird. So <laughs> the, jumping around from thing to thing is like, if I actually like did my time as it happened, it would be like five minutes doing this, two minutes screwing around on the internet, five minutes doing this, two minutes screwing around on the internet, right? Oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> you suffer You suffer from bright, shiny object syndrome. Absolutely, you? absolutely. Squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. Absolutely. So, so for me, like it was always a process, like I had to come up with a way of like, okay, how am I going to do this and make it be right, but not have it, make it just some like time consuming mishmash. So, so I, I, I'd really be curious and kind of drill down into like, so why is it that you're not doing this? Like, how can we help you? What process can we put in place to make sure that this gets done right? Um, you know, tough conversations are great, but like if you're the parent of a young child, sometimes you know that that's, you know, you, you, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar too. So like you maybe, and like maybe you go full seven-year-old and put a sticker chart in a room, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like every time you fill out your timesheet on time, you get another sticker. <laughs> I don't know. See, there, there might be something in the reinforcement realm that works, but I'd really try to dig into why it's happening. I, I have to share that I'm a little I'm a little surprised because I thought you were going to go hardcore on this one, Andy, because sometimes you do that with these HR things. But um, I, I echo what you said about the why, because I, I think until you understand the why, it really makes all of the rest uh, a lot tougher to deal with or to come up with a solution for. So, so echo that. I guess the other thing, I think, I, not knowing what those tough conversations have looked like, I also think sometimes just like you're asking the why, you also need to sometimes explain the why. I, I don't think so many times in organizations you see that they're just told to do something, an employee is, is given a new task or they're told we need to start doing this. And so many times they're not shared with, like it's not the larger context isn't shared with them. They, they don't understand why, why it's important how that could impact their the program that they're running or the the organ you know part of the organization that they're that they're in and that they're working on so so I think sometimes also that why goes both ways and so that was that sort of a big a big sticking point I think here and and the other thing is 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 the impact um, so what the impact is on the organization as well as other employees 
I, I, I hate to use a scare tactic or a like a, but sometimes people just really don't want to upset others in the office or don't realize the impact they're having. So being able to say, do you realize like when you're not doing X, how that has a ripple effect on a lot of other positions in this organization? So, so I, I do think there's some room and not knowing enough about the conversations that have been had, there's some room to dig deeper, to have these discussions. And then candidly, you know, if, if, after all of that, this doesn't change, then it's time to maybe make some changes with this person or, you know, it starts with a written, you know, a written warning or, or some sort of documentation because it's, it's ludicrous if even after you've taken all this time and energy on this, if it doesn't change, then, then you've got to make the change. <laughs> Stacy and I have completely changed roles on this. Yeah. <laughs> I've recommended the sticker chart and she says, just fire them. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think that you make a really good point in that making, making the employee understand what the organizational impact of them not doing that is. Cause, cause the reason that you're probably doing timesheets is not just because it's punitive and you like people filling out forms, but that there's some sort of grant requirement or state funding or something that's requires a timesheet. It's not something that you just do for fun. So, I mean, one of the, one of the things that if, if you do have, if you've come up with sort of a unitized metric of, of what, donated dollars mean for for your constituents that's that's always fun to throw back we this we started sort of as a joke at three square um when i was there is one of the things that we talk about in marketing materials and there's a lot of research to report to to support it was that for every dollar donated um that three square can can generate three meals i actually think the number's higher now um but but that used to be sort of the joke when someone would come in and they'd ask for something and it was like you know 15 dollars, and you'd say really is that worth 45 meals like that's oh, 45 meals that you're not wow. going to be putting in the hungry mouths you know and it, it makes people think i mean but but there's always there's always something that you could do if you've got that unitized metric maybe maybe talk about what what that really means by not getting that thing done and potentially losing that funding what that really means for your constituents that might be a good motivator too you're right I love it. And I, I also think that I, my hunch is, and really there's no basis for this. So, okay, it's a random Stacy hunch, but uh, basically I think so many times paperwork in, in nonprofits, we have a lot of people and, and Andy, I'm sure you feel differently because you were always in sort of more of the, I mean, you wore a lot of hats, but let's just use your finance hat. Like there is a lot of paperwork and reporting and tracking and stuff with that. But, but I do think that if, for example, this was a program position that they need to track their time to apply or you know put toward a grant or some kind of reimbursable grant, I mean, they wanna be out there doing the work, right? Like that's what makes their heart sing. So I think you also have to think about the position within the organization where this is not happening. You know, what, what is their background? And, and they, I mean, they need to realize there's not every part of a job is sexy and we all got to suck it up at times and do what we don't want to do. But I also think that uh, sometimes it's just about, man, I've, I'm either overworked or I want to be out there in the field, not doing stupid paperwork. And so helping them understand that stupid paperwork could lead to more funding to help fund the program that they're overseeing may be one strategy as well. And it just made me think of one more thing, as you said, that is depending on the funder, if the timesheet is required, the funder might actually also accept a time study. 
And that's where you don't actually have to record your time as it's happening, but you can say, you can sort of do a sample over a month and say, this is what I spent my time on doing all of these different activities over the month. And the assumption is that every month is exactly the same so that you may be able to get away from the timesheet requirement if the funder allows a time study. Um, it's something to ask about. I'm certainly kind of a, a not answering the question and sort of an end run around the whole process, but it's an option. Well, and I, you're just, I'm, we're kind of riffing off each other here, but the other thing I was thinking when you said that is there's also tools and technology so much these days that can make things that used to be really burdensome and laborsome, like easy and quick. So I, I'd also say if, if for some reason you get pushback, like this takes too much time or this process is ridiculous, like that's a great opportunity to look at other solutions. Maybe there's a, a cool timesheet app or something that, you know, you can brainstorm or research together, or this person can do that to come up with another solution, because maybe it's just the process is just ridiculous. You made it to the finish line. Thanks for hanging with us and listening to us. And even when we're just being silly or annoying, sticking with us. So we really appreciate it. And we also super appreciate Anne and the Anne members. So Anne is the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits, which we're sure you know about. But if you don't, check them out. We'll make sure to put their website in the show notes. And uh, you can certainly become a member of Anne at any time. And Anne is the one that makes this podcast possible. So a huge thanks to Anne, its members, and uh, to all of you, our listeners. This would not be possible without your listenership and your questions. So keep them coming.